Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Giles Corrin Has No Idea. The cats have eaten my homework, sir, and also my grandma died. So there is no column from me this week and therefore no podcast to discuss what to put in it. So instead, we thought we'd bring you an edition of my favourite part of my radio show, which is called Desert Island Crisps. This is where I take a famous celebrity, shipwreck them on a desert island and force them to regale us with stories about their favourite foods. Sadly, we've not been able to do these interviews during lockdown, but I've dusted off the archives and bring you the very first Desert Island Crisps with everyone's favourite quiz show host, Alexander Armstrong. Ah, how lovely to be here, thank you. Thank thank you for coming. Um, Normally, uh, we would do it, if it weren't for the virus, we'd be doing this on a real desert island. Oh, Um, how lovely. Well, one of the Scottish ones. Oh, no. With, with global warming, you know. Oh, I see. Oh, oh no, oh. it's just lockdown. We'd, we'd, normally, we'd the budgets that we have, we'd all we'd move out to a desert island. And, but we've had, you've had to do it in our home, so thank you for coming here. It's a pleasure. So I'm going to ask you, you, know, you what, what's your first... I mean, I can see that the first piece of food we're going to talk about is a treacle sponge. <gasps> yes. I hope it's going to... Is this going to take us back to the very near, near the beginning of Armstrong? Is it, well, let's say it does, yes. I mean, it's, it's a, it was a constant in the life of my grandparents' house. If we went to stay with them... This was a sort of standard, particularly Sunday lunch, if we were there for a weekend or whatever. Uh, lemon chicken, absolutely without fail, and treacle sponge. And a weird pudding called junket. I've heard, heard of junket, junket? From, only from doing historical reenactment food TV. Well, listen, you should have come to my grandparents' house. How long ago was this? Oh, it was a while back. No, this, was, uh, this is probably pre-2000. Yes, my grandmother died in, in 2000. So, yeah, any, any time pre then, when I was 30, so the first 30 years of my life. Um, junket was a sort of weird white set pudding. I'm guessing, th- totally guessing here, that it's the curds element from curds and whey. I think something a bit like that, where I think milk, you add something to it that goes, woing, 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 separates the two elements. The, the watery stuff gets poured off. What's the noise this it makes stuff, again? Woing, 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 yeah, that's, that's, then yeah, um, that's this stuff, and you grate nutmeg on top of it anyway so we had a Northumbrian granny and we had a, 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 a Hertfordshire based grandmother and indeed grandfather I didn't know my, my paternal grandfather um, he died before I he died before I was born Rex Armstrong in fact after whom my oldest son mm-hmm. is named who was a, he played rugby for England Rex Armstrong. Rex already he's only yeah no 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 the, oh, the, the great the grandfather did he yeah in the 1920s he was uh, he was a fullback because really? yeah. I don't think I mean you're a wonder, you're a great singer a talented actor a, yeah. a funny man very handsome tall strong fit not really a sporty type no though. not really at all no no and yet you had a grandfather and who... yet had a grandfather who played rugby for England isn't that extraordinary amazing I know quite extraordinary anyway so yes I grew up in Northampton in literally the middle of nowhere in fact that makes it sound very central the middle of nowhere <laughs> no somewhere off in the somewhere on the upper left hand corner of, of nowhere uh, so yes we really were we lived. And what sort of a what sort of a thing in a, in a, in a hole in the ground or a no? We palace? lived in a we lived in a farm. We lived in a in an old farm with no central heating. Yeah, on a very windy hillside. It was heaven. I adored it. And um, we would we would routinely get snowed in in the in the winter and then flooded in when all the snows melted. It was it was just great. 
you know, as a truant. And you delight. go back, you go back annually, so it clearly means something to you. This, this. Oh, Winsworth Northumberland. Place. Yeah, Northumberland is a is a heavenly place. And what were you um, eating there? I mean, you're really, given that this is a thing where we take your yes, life in. This is a very interesting. What point. did people eat in Northumberland? Gastronomically, in Northumberland wasn't really wasn't wasn't really up to a great deal. Um, we grew a lot of things that we ate in our garden, so our kitchen garden would sort of furnish us with very sort of hairy runner beans, um, endless broccoli, which we my mother always used to call calabrese. So. We what never call it broccoli. Did you make that up or is that a name for it? Well, I, I've, I, I am aware now that the Italians call it calabrese, eh, she? Oh, yes, but we call, it, we call it calabrese. I don't know if that's just because we're terrible, pretentious. On the other hand, no, I think you were at the forefront because broccoli was not... I mean, broccoli, I think of as an 80s vegetable. You well, were, maybe, yeah. Maybe because my mother, we, we grew it in the garden, calabrese, as, as it was known, was... Um, Invariably, I mean, if you pick up a bit of the cooked stuff and shake it, out would drop four or five little white caterpillars, which my mother would say, mm, oh, don't get rid of those, that's the protein. Uh, and, the, the, you know, the chorus was, well, they've eaten, they've eaten calabrese all their lives, they're going to have a taste of calabrese. Mm, chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> like, like that was going to pass muster with me as a, as, a, as a youngster. I remember once being at my grandparents for, for lunch and a, and a little wormy thing crawling up the side of my plate out of the salad that, that had just been put there and going, Nyeh! my mother saying, oh, don't be so ridiculous, just eat it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Anyway, so, yeah, we, we... But other than that, it was the 70s, you know, where things... We were a sort of... My mother was a champion of all kinds of things. She was, she was a, a modernist, really. I mean... All the nice lights in our farm were, were sort of taken out and replaced with low energy. This is in the 70s. I mean, this is before people knew about um, environmentalism, per se. Well, you certainly, with no central you heating, know, you weren't troubling the grid. That we way. weren't troubling the grid. And we had low energy fluorescent lights all over the place that sort of hummed and, and flashed. And, you know, it, so my mother was, uh, I mean, you know, we, we grew up in a house that was sort of zero, you know, on, on a carbon neutral. I mean... Not to say we've been taking carbon out, I think. The amount of carbon we probably ate one way and another. And I love that you start in this... Your life is going to be a journey to the glittering bright lights of the West End. and, and oh, uh, I know. Do, isn't it? From, Literally, from so these we humble farm, beginnings. At the end of a single track road, we were a mile from a little village called Pepperhoff. There's not even a village. It's literally a phone box and a, and, a, and a post office. I mean, can you imagine? There was a farm, a phone box and a post office. Imagine getting a post office when there are literally a population of about nine it's quite something. And then so in the, you, were, you were ready for a treacle sponge, which came from the grandma in Hertfordshire. Yes, this is the grandma in Hertfordshire. She would, uh, she, yes, they, they would, they were always, the food there was incredible. Mind you, the, you'd find such relics. It was sort of an act of archaeology to open the deep, to open the fridge there. You'd find sort of bits of cake that had been kicking around for at least four weeks. Because they were sort of old and eccentric? Because or... they were old and just sort of, yes, I suppose old and eccentric and never would throw anything out. And you'd eat something until it grew feathers itself, whereupon it would then be boiled up and fed to the hens. So, you know. <laughs> and this treacle sponge, was this a, was this a, a tinned thing? Or? No, no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm now going to... I'm afraid... Yeah, I'm afraid this is, this is awful poshness. Um, don't apologise for this. This is Times Radio. I know, you don't have to apologise for poshness. But, but, well, I love this, poshness. You know, this sounds ludicrous, but my grandmother had a, had a cook. Right. Called Kathleen, lovely Kathleen, who's an Irish, just wonderful woman, and she had a way with a treacle sponge, uh, um, with a with a sort of with a steam pudding. And you uh, see, that's wonderful. That's proper Downton. You you're not, you must admit this is this is what we want to know. We've well, seen we've seen your who do you think you are? We've seen the Duke of Beaufort. We've seen how many? Which is the king? You're, you're related to Danny Dyer, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> we share a king, don't we? Yeah, is Edward the is it Edward? You share Edward, Edward the, the third. Yeah. It's amazing, Edward the third. In one way, you go one way and you get Danny Dyer. You go the other way, you get Zander with a, with his Kathleen cooking his treacle sponges. I know. I was, I was just too. It's just yes. It's not. That's a kind of well. No, thank it, you. this there is you on the desert island. When yeah. we don't ask you if you'd like a luxury, and if we did, we wouldn't allow it to be a human. But if no. we did, you'd say a cook. And you'd be, although actually, I, I do. I love cooking though. And cooking is I'm, one of the uh, one of the great pleasures. Actually, is, is just putting on some lovely music and getting down to it, doing some doing a bit of actually having a great kitchen-based task that's going to keep you occupied and amused for... I I suppose for you, this desert island, given that, you know, some people on desert islands choose to take music on this show, we we take food. A difficult choice for you, I mean, not difficult because you need food to live, but the food or music, because music is also very important to you. Music is important. I didn't realise quite how much we listened to music as a family. Um, 
until I met Hannah, my wife, who who finds it peculiar that I would would really find I, I find it very odd not to have music on. We haven't got it on now because we can't no. cut this. Sh- well, exactly, later. You've got show so much would be a nightmare. Rubbish. I mean, what the listener won't realise is we're already seven and a quarter hours into this. <laughs> um, this is the edited version. But um, yeah, no, but I would always have music if I get come into an empty house. I'll, I'll have music on. I suppose partly for company, but partly just because I just love it. I do. It does. It really adds something. And did you very, start playing? Did you start singing and playing music very, very young? Yeah, I suppose I did. I did to keep warm up in Northumberland. Keep you warm in Northumberland, exactly. I had this obsession about opera, without knowing what opera was, because opera was something Mum and Dad would go off to from time to time, and you know they were always so smart, and Mum always smelt delicious going off to the opera. She'd, she'd put scent on and things, and you'd wave them off, and you think. What is this? An opera? I'd heard opera, which, as far as I was aware, was something that involved a lot of people. And I couldn't quite... I don't think I'd realised that it wasn't a sort of participatory thing, opera. I thought it was something that, when they went, it was like a sort of ball. Well, you went along and you joined in, you danced and you sang and you did things and you were part of this huge, great sort of, I guess, like a sort of immersive theatre experience. When, in fact, you merely turn up and sit in a velvety seat it's all you have to do. But music in that respect, I was, I was obsessed with the idea of opera, despite not knowing what it was. I had a panda bear. I mean, this is just a, a stuffed, you know, not stuffed, a, a toy panda, you know. Um, <laughs> stuffed. stuffed. Real panda. Went, I mean, can you imagine? In the larder with the pheasants and the grouse and the and pandas. a stuffed panda, yes, exactly. No, I had a, you know, a toy panda that was about sort of a foot high. And Panda and I would go off would go off to the opera every night. This was my sort of thing that I would, you know, we, I'd always say I was going to, oh. Panda and I would go to the opera. And uh, <laughs> so I go to bed and the next morning they'd say, how was the opera? I go, oh, it was marvellous. Again, I have no idea exactly what the opera was. I also but... love the fact that you're slightly apologetic about the poshness of having a cook, but not about the poshness of going to the opera every night with your Panda. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, I didn't know what it was I didn't know what it was no. but, um, it, it didn't lessen my, uh, my delight when I then discovered what it was let's move on from treacle sponge to, yeah. to, to the next thing which I have down as, as a, a pie uh, pie is pie. important to you oh, I mean I may have pie. I may have a you tell me about pies I'm, I, there may be one in the oven okay what, what, why are we talking about pies well pies a pie was a very early delight for me I went off to school again this is just I'm going to apologize the whole way through this um, keep apologizing I went oh my goodness look at that well pie. there's two pies actually aren't there? Ah. that's the one I got Ben the producer it may be fine that's what's called a pucker pie yeah that's closer to the pie I'm thinking ah. of, but that is closer to my heart if you well, see what I'm saying angles, so the the pucker pie. Basically, when I was little, I grew up as the youngest of three children. Ravenous Northumbrians, all of us. Um, and it basically meant being the youngest, you were you basically you got the you got the sort of scrapings at the end of the of the pie, basically. Uh, oh my word. That's what I'm looking at now is a pie in a this has come from a posh baker somewhere. Okay, this has come from a, a, a posh butcher somewhere. Around. This has come from a very posh butcher this morning. I was uh, mm. on the way back from the school run, because we're not heavily financed, and we don't have whole teams. On the way back from the school run, uh, I stopped off. My Esther, I, there was a certain thing which we're going to come to later, which was oh. talked about. Mm. And Esther phoned and found a place, a butcher, posh butcher in Hampstead that had them. So I swung by there, bought them, went in, saw this rather good-looking pie. Mm. On, so, so, so this is a beef bourguignon pie. Oh, the no. cat has arrived on the table. Yes, the cat's arrived. Uh, smelling the pie but actually I, and I texted Ben and uh, and he'd already got a puck of pie so we'll try both of them but so, the pies were important to you at, at home pies were important but anything that came individually packaged was a real was a bonus yoghurt and pies two of my early loves and I think it all comes down ultimately to the fact that you were given your own and it came in a sort of it was a, there was a you know a discreet amount of food was mine um, and it couldn't was, be stolen by couldn't be stolen by sister. older brother older sister Ditto yogurt pot, yogurt pots. Anything, anything that came in its own massive, fortified, sealed container, I loved. So, I mean, oh, sorry, oh, no, sorry. No, no, I'm, sorry. I'm, you you're you're no, no I don't, I don't. No, some. We're both on this desert island together. No wonder you like individually wrapped <laughs> pies. I've given you most of that enormous pie, and you go after it. So, so you, have, you can have the whole pie. Jolly, oh, thanks. Jolly lifted up the spoon there in what I thought was a sort of gesture of a bit more pie. 
And of course, he hadn't yet put any on his own plate. Mm, so I I'm having some my pie plates. But listen, like the, the pucker pie is all for you. Listen, lovely. Um, you, you, it's warm. It's delicious. But so, but you, and these individual pies. But you went off yeah. to school, and I, I gather that you, did you have a pie day? Wednesday was pie Wednesday day. was pie day at school. Wednesday for lunch, and also Wednesday was a half day, which is a fabulous thing. So, um, so where did you go? You couldn't go so, home. Uh, no, you couldn't go home. No, you just didn't do any lessons. You just mucked about. Um, is this the sort of pie you had at school? This is a considerably nicer pie. But there's something about school food that teaches you to be extremely happy eating stuff that's been mass-produced. So I can I get very excited about good food, but equally really excited about terrible food as well. Remember, growing up in the 70s, yeah. you know, where we, we, we were a margarine family. I mean, that's my mother true, thought yeah. it was tremendously good for us to have margarine. And we used to go to our cousin's houses who had butter and go, ah, they've got butter. We could really go, God, this, they've got butter. They've got butter, look. We kind of, you know, it was, our living standards were incredibly modest. Um, partly because I guess they had to pay to send, you know, they had to send us up to school because that was, that was it. There was a school in our village, which was brilliant. The primary school in our village was great. But they taught ITAs. You weren't t- taught to read normal script. This was the 70s where they ran a sort of experimental programme. They found a few outlying parts of the country where they didn't think it would matter very much, I guess. And they thought, well, they can learn. They'd have to learn normal stuff. We're going to do this experiment on them and teach them the initial teaching alphabet, ITA, Never which heard. has a sort of, it's sort of like a phonetic script. So that's what we were taught. All our books in school were written in ITA. Not with normal letters? Not in, not, not in normal letters. Can you letters. read now? I can now. My brother still my brother still <laughs> can't spell to save his life. Really? Because of yeah, that? Yeah, because of that. Now look. I can try the bug pie. This was sold to me. This reason that I went out of my way to pick up this, <clears throat> this delicious pie and, and Ben bought it is because you told him that about pie Wednesdays at school and and an and HP sauce. So I need a story about school, pie Wednesday and HP mm. sauce and then I'll let you have Pie some. Wednesday. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to put any HP sauce on that pie because that's a cracking pie. But this pucker pie, by the way, which also looks delicious... Um, is going to be greatly enhanced by a bit of uh, bit of the HP brown sauce. I mean HP sauce. I think there's some ancient Roman thing. Do you remember they used to make something out of fish guts? There was some Roman yes, yes, sauce yes. That was fermented sort of fermented fish guts. Garum. Exactly garum. Um, I, I, in in uh, in um, uh, when I did this show, supersizers go Roman with your old uh, Cambridge buddy Sue Perkins. Yeah, we'll get to Cambridge eventually oh, if, I, if I manage well. to pull this off. Um, uh, and yeah, and we ate gout. Oh, it's disgusting. Just fermented fish guts. It's a sort of early version of Worcester sauce, but just not in any way nice. Mm. But I think it through the when you get to HP sauce, you've still got some sort of anchovy or something, haven't you? Sue? I think there's something in here. I have a feeling that they, they keep it a secret, don't they? The people who make this. Well, maybe they don't. Not much of a secret. I've got the ingredients list right here <laughs> on the side. But anyway, somewhere in the sort of secret ingredients of this, I'm sure there's some garam. Mm. I'm going to load yeah, no, this on you're my have that whole, Look at that. I'm now quite jealous of it. But look at that. That's yes, what I'm you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because you want to have it all to yourself. I don't want... You're going to have terrible flashbacks to childhood. And, no, the pie, it. the pie. Yeah. But you see, I think when you when you then cut it in half, is it, is it does it disappoint in the middle or? No, I don't think it does. Oh, I think that's all right. It's got a it's got a it's got a sort of pleasing something wonderfully mass produced about the uh, <laughs> about the the innards of. This. Well, that was a, this was Ben. Yeah. That was a pound, wasn't it? That pie. That, so so Ben spent a pound oh, on that. I spent well spent. This was a, this, this this large pie I from the guess. butcher is a fourteen quid oh, pie. Yeah, but I 12, but, yeah. but I do you know you I think you're right. I think it was twelve ninety five. But I got it for whatever half of that is, which is. Six forty-seven and a half, uh, because it was on sale. That's amazing. Is it good? That pucker pie has got something. I think that might have a bit of second kidney. I think. I'm gonna try it. It's got something of it. Yeah, please do. It's got a. There's something pleasingly renal, if that's the word. (laughs) About that. I'm afraid that that is the word, isn't Mm. it? Renal is renal is kidneys, isn't it? When you say it's got a renal, I just want to say for people um, worried about the coronavirus and listening, um, I reached for the pie off Nanda's plate with a pair of two meter chopsticks. Um, Oh my word. Mm. Oh, they see it's good. You well, can it's, see it's good with the with the with sauce. The, with the sauce, because it fully covers up the renality. Yeah, you're completely right. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yep. Nice. So boarding school, we moved on. You you were boarding at prep school very young, which is not fashionable now. No. And you went on to board lately. Carried on boarding forever, basically. I did. Um, did you want to go home to your parents? Was there any kind of um, prep school? 
was miserable. I mean, that was a. I did. I loved it in the end. I made some great friends there. Um, I left early to go up to a weird music school up in Edinburgh, and thus was my. I think was my path into later into show business decided. We've got I think. to show business. You enjoy that mouthful of pie, and I'll mm. fill because that's what radio hands do, as you mm. know. Being oh. Xander is also Xander. We, Often on Desert Island, Chris, people just chat and poke at their food. But Xander has been up. What time did you get up in Oxford this morning? Five or something like that? Yeah, uh, 5.30. 5.30, car into town, on the radio, yeah. on Classic FM, doing the breakfast show at, what, nine? Oh, I see. Do people normally just pay up? Just... No, no, no. It's quite... This is your lunch break. I can just this talk while you eat. This is your lunch break. That's, that's the television version of this. <laughs> Wait a minute. If, should we ever have any legal problems with Desert Island, Chris, and I can't see why yeah. we would. This is your lunch break. Come on. That's a, that's, this is... A, Alexander Armstrong, you thought you were coming here to record one <laughs> fairly hackneyed rip-off sequence, but no, t- this afternoon, Alexander mm. Armstrong, star of Pointless, Classic oh. FM, Armstrong and Miller, this is your lunch break. That's great. You hand me that massive file, and that's and the it's menu. A menu. <laughs> but this go, is a format. Oh, oh but oh, how wonderful. And some of these are wines, wow. <laughs> mm. Um, the, the next thing I see here is, is, a, is, a, is a caramac, and it's, it's yeah. apparently that's your tuck shop treat. That's an odd, that's an odd choice, the caramac. People, for people who well, don't remember oh, it, I tell you what. can you remind them what it is? Caramac, um, what I'm looking at now, the packaging of this, I mean, I'm not sure I'd go anywhere, anywhere near it. It Just, says at the top, no artificial colours, flavours or preservatives, in the most artificially coloured <laughs> and flavoured... I think um, that's a promise about the chocolate bar, surely, rather than I the packaging. I know, I know, but the packaging of that, the it's, caramac that we used to have... Came in a in gold foil that slid in and out, rather like you know, like chocolate bars used to, where yeah. the thing would be wrapped in foil, and then it would have a kind of a sort of paper tube around it, essentially a sort of mattress cover that it would slide in and out of. Mm-hmm. Um, nearest thing, like Kit Kats do, just for the for the kids. Yeah, yeah. But they, although Kit Kats often have those awful sheets now. No, oh, they do now. But Caramac. Why caramel? Because first of all, yes, the colours are terrible. It's orange and yellow. That's nature's warning. I mean, that is nature's warning. And is, it, is there any chocolate goodness. in the caramel? Where, I, mean, I don't know, I'm, but it's a very pleasing white chocolate. It's somewhere between milk chocolate and a Milky Way. And the colour of caramel, I mean, that. Oh, we used to go down to. Um, Look Scott's, at that colour. It's the colour of butter. Scott's shop in Rothbury, which was, uh, which was our. This, that wasn't the village we lived a mile away from, Pepperhoff. This was the, the metropolis we lived four and a half miles away from. Rothbury, sort of a beautiful village in Northumberland. And there was a proper old sweet shop there. And we'd go into Scott's and we'd buy up the Caramac. And um, basically my brother would look, we'd be the sort of looker-after of Caramac. And we'd walk back up home. It'd be, you have to walk up through three fields to get back up to our, our house. And um, every so often we'd stop. And my brother, with great seriousness, would break off a piece of Caramac for each of us. And we'd just eat it and go... Mm, and discuss how we ate it. Do you, do you bite yours? No, no, I just put mine on my tongue and, and suck it until it's all just gone to mush. Mm. And then we'd walk on up another field and then maybe Dominic would break off another little bit of caramel. So caramel, you know, it's a... It's a rural it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of Thomas Hardy story with uh, mm. vegetable fats, sugar, lactose, sweetened condensed skim milk, um, skim butter fat, treacle, flavouring and salt may contain gluten. Describe the taste. I haven't tasted one of these in 40 years. I never chose it. I thought it was neither here nor there, neither a milky I mean, bar nor... I mean, it's the first a... time I've tasted Caramac for a very, very, very long time. I... It's funny. Yeah, that was nice. Is it bringing I mean, you back? Is it putting you back in that field with your brother? No, I'm not sure if it tastes exactly... There were various flavours we used to have when we were little, one of which was butterscotch. What happened to butterscotch? Was that the salted caramel of our day? Butterscotch mostly exposed to it via the medium of Angel Delight. Angel Whip, exactly. Or Angel Instant De- Whip, was, was instant our, whip. which was our version of it. The margarine version was Instant Whip. Um, <laughs> and what, which, when you say that you have this at the tuck shop, which which was it, which school was this? Prep school? No, we didn't have a tuck. No, got a prep school. Oh, you mean prep the tuck school. shop literally in town in the village? No, no, no. This tuck shop at, at, uh, at Big School. Big School. Oh, good. So we've, got, we've moved on to big oh, school. Oh, yeah, we've moved on to oh, big, school, big school. I want to be a big oh, school. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about big school. Hey, you've you've big been school. to the music school. Been to the music school. Where have you gone to big school? I went to, uh, on a music scholarship to Durham School. Durham Cathedral is just, by the way, the most, I think, the most beautiful building in the country. I, I adore Durham Cathedral. And did you sing in it as a kid then? Um, well, we would. We were attached to the cathedral. I mean, the cathedral has its own proper cathedral choir. But as sort of the musicians and music scholars and the choir of Durham School, we were their sort of stand-in choir. You know, we'd come along and do our bit a few services a term by the time i got to durham school i loved being at boarding school by the way boarding school as a as a, as a nipper of seven 
Not so good, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Really quite a traumatic experience. Either I was so cauterized by that experience that um, I was just numb to anything, but I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the case. I, Do you think you owe the, the misery you had as a seven-year-old? It was just because I was a seven-year-old being ripped away from, you know, taken out of, out of my home. I mean, that's, that's, I, it's a sort of, I guess it's a, it's a slightly rough environment because boys, and it was, a bo- it was an all-boys school, boys let's, are pretty vile people, really, by and large. They have a one or two, one or two, um, you know, saving graces. But they tend not to emerge until adolescence and beyond, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that age, it's a fairly savage environment. And... You hadn't had any tuck, by the way. You were, you were given one bar of something on a Sunday, and you had, you had about two hours to eat it. And anyone was left with any tuck. We always sent off with things called tuck boxes, but no t- we hadn't had any tuck to put in them. That's, that's, where's, the, where's the logic in that? That's very, very no mean. We, yeah, very mean indeed. Um, but yes, I mean, there were things like fire practices. You'd have to have where the fire alarm would go off in the middle of the night, and everyone had to go. And we didn't know at that stage if it was a practice or if it was a real thing, and everyone had to grab a dressing gown and and you know get out of bed and file down to the to the dining hall where then oh, yeah, phew, it's not actually a fire. Uh, it's fine. And actually, funny enough, that was the thing that I mean, that scared me more than more than anything else in my early childhood. Um, not until I discovered the concept of nuclear war. <laughs> Did anything scare me as much as, as the idea of fire practice? Do you think your historic, your problems now, not problems, but occasional troubles in getting to sleep, you were saying with your new radio show, you've got to get up so early and sometimes you don't yes. sleep in the night, or you wake up at two in the morning. Could it be, could it be Maybe that? Maybe it goes back to the, the absolute heart-palpitating terror of, of the possibility at any moment that suddenly... <laughs> it's like a sort of... Was that the noise? Yeah, it was like an air raid sign. We'll be back with more Desert Island Crisps after a short interlude. To get more from The Times, why not treat yourself to a subscription and we will give you the first month free. Just search thetimes.co.uk forward slash Giles Corran has no idea. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Past Imperfect with Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson. A weekly series of in-depth interviews with high-profile figures examining how overcoming the challenges of their early lives shaped the people they've become. This week... Bake Off winner, TV chef and author Nadia Hussain reveals the violent racial abuse she suffered as a British Bangladeshi in 1980s Luton, her struggles with mental health and how baking has changed her life. Racism and that kind of unconscious bias exists in every industry and so now that I'm in them, I see the problem with them is that there is nobody else. Past Imperfect with Rachel Sylvester and Alice Thompson. Nadia Hussein, in her own words. Now available as a podcast. Listen on the Times Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
the next food thing I've gotten down here is beef stew. We can probably gloss through it quite quickly because we've eaten one in a pie form there. But it says here, in this, in this sort of research conversation that you had with Ben, um, which I need to have done even when I'm related to the people I'm talking to, uh, there's a lovely sentence where he said, after finishing school, she sent me and my siblings to a Cordon Bleu cooking camp. And I thought, you went to finishing school? <laughs> uh, Marvellous. No wonder you speak so nicely. And then I realised that it was after finishing school. I can climb um, in and out of a car without showing my knickers. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, but you don't bother. Um, so what I want to know is uh, a Cordon Bleu cookery camp. Tell me about that. You left school. You were about to yeah. go to Cambridge, I believe, yeah. is the thing. And you went to what happened at the Cordon Bleu cooking camp? We went to the Hexham School of Cookery for, a, for a, a, an intensive two-week course where every... I mean, it was the hardest work I'd done. I mean, this is after my A-levels. A-levels were a walk in the park compared to that. You know, we, we were, we'd go and we'd spend the morning being drilled in... Uh, making ruse or making short crust pastry or puff pastry or whatever it was, and then we'd be sent back home with a sort of with things we had to do that night, and we'd be cooking till about eleven. And of course, it was a very hot summer, and there were six of us doing it, so working in three pairs, three teams of two, and yeah, in a kitchen with a massive argot belching out heat, um, and the idea, you know, a, a proper kitchen should be quite cool you know things things were just melting you'd be busy sort of rolling your pastry and all the butter would be running out of it because it was so hot i mean nothing that you know people on bake-off haven't had to contend with have you done um, celebrity bake-off no never have so you came out of uh, cordon bleu cooking camp with a beef stew knowing how to make a stew i mean what a great thing to be able to do at the age of 18 where actually you can because a stew there's something about a stew that's just is very homely you know, it's, I mean, something that comes out of a casserole. You chop up all this stuff, you roll it in, uh, in flour, brown it, bung it in. It looks desperately unappetising when it's sort of sitting there and you top it up with water and maybe a little of wine. And then in it goes into the oven and then magically, sort of two hours, three hours later, out it comes and... Oh, and if you can pull that trick off... Well, it, it front loads the effort, doesn't it? It's, it's very therapeutic yeah. cooking, and it, all, yeah. and it doesn't have to look that nice at the end because it all comes out brown. And you listen to your music, and you chop, 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 and you put it yeah. in, and there's and no stress, and you can... Imagine being at university and having being able to make stew and, and uh, being able to produce that. Everyone, everyone was... Deeply impressed. So in a nutshell then, Cambridge, because I've, I've been, as ever, fascinated as I was by our early life. I've, I've, yeah. I've, we've dwelled too long on the early We have, stuff. oh my God. So let's yeah, shoot sorry. through Cambridge. Shoot through it. Famous contemporaries you know the there. I mean, sort of, good footlights, did you do any of that? Uh, I did a bit of footlights. It took me a long time to pluck up the courage to do it, though. Um, but yes, um, contemporaries. There's sort of famous names of footlights. I was there. Uh, Sue Perkins, of whom mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard. Well, she, what is she? She's a... She, she's a... She's a the, the girl with the glasses. That's the one. Yes, exactly. Oh, That's right. her. Um, and Mel, obviously, Mel mm-hmm. Gedroy, um, um Andy Parsons, Henry Naylor. Um, and you were a choral scholar there? I was a choral scholar, yeah. And so means, singing singing for your supper? Singing very much for my supper. That's a huge commitment. The Trinity Choir is, is, a, is, is a big deal, actually. It's a sort of, it's, it's a sort of, you become a professional singer for the time you're there. I mean, you know, throughout the term, you have to do, I think, five services a week. But it's a good twelve hours a week commitment in terms of. So, do you mean you were very, very good? I mean, you, you were... have to. Yeah, I, I was. I was a very good singer when I was younger, and I, you know, and I, I, I mean, this happens a lot. You must know a lot of people at university who were very good at acting or comedy or singing or sport, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they get to the end of. You come to the end of your three years there. You know, if you're if you're a cricketer who's played for Oxford or Cambridge, you're you know you've had a little taste of first class cricket, which is. Which is exciting. And then, you know, if you're sort of on the cusp of thinking, well, do I think about taking this up seriously? Is this something I'm going to commit to and make, make something of? Or do you think, nah. And I did. I really did think, I'm, I'm just going to miss this so much. I mean, this is such a huge deal. And I've been doing it all my life. So music was a big, big part of it. I thought, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to do no professional stuff. I mean, you know, it's another couple of years at the Royal College or something like that where you'd have to hone the skill a bit polish it up a bit mm-hmm. I just thought no no and actually it's a it's a hell of a life if you're a professional musician it's you know you've really got to you've got to get your pleasures from the performance and the and the, you know because it's you live your life if you're lucky enough to be employed a lot 
you live your life eating and living out of suitcases, basically, and that's. And so you, you know, then, so, very... so after you left, you went off to do comedy, and you did you go to abroad or something? I, well, I did. I went off some friends. Um, I in my, sorry, it's just too awful to about in my year off, but in my year off, I mean, God, I've talked about everything else. Might as well. Um, um, I'd worked uh, in the British Virgin Islands. At a, I'd got a job at, at a restaurant there and became great pet friends with the people who ran it. Um, and they had a sort of, they put on a show every night after dinner. There'd be a sort of, you know, they had this this guy who'd sit and sort of tell funny stories and sing songs at the piano. And I thought, I quite fancy that. So I did. I got a, I got a job out there with a friend of mine, David Wollstonecroft, who's another um, footlight contemporary. Uh, and uh, yeah, we went out and did that. And I think that's what kind of, because I hadn't really, I had no idea what I was going to do at university. I had no idea. You know, when other people, even in our second year, some people were going off to have interviews mm. with ICI and things like that. And, you know, they were going, people had, some had decided they were going to go into the city or some had already got themselves onto sort of law conversion courses or whatever. Mm. And I was thinking, what the dimph? Boring. Well, I just Talk was really hoping at one point the, uh, the, Clouds would, would part and, you know, a bright light would shine and say, you will also work for ICI. Um, <laughs> and I'd know that that was, you know... And you went back to the Virgin go. Islands afterwards? And, yeah, not having anything else to do, the people who ran that place had said, if you ever fancied, if you're ever at a loose end, you want to come out and do a, do a residency here, you could. Is there by any Sorry. chance of food thing that goes with this? I'm looking down at a thing that says penne pasta, slow fried, mixed pepper with chorizo, chilies and paprika. Oh, come on, let's make it up. Let's pretend it does. No, that's just something I love cooking. Right. Penne pasta uh, with, yes, yeah, so slow cooked. Oh, yeah, this is a thing I learnt in the Virgin Islands. Yes, thank you. This is a thing I, uh, I learnt to cook there. Um, while singing, mm, yes, great. While singing. Realising what you wanted to be was to sing and perform and make penne. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's one of your dishes for the desert island. Absolutely right, because it takes me straight back to the Caribbean. And, oh, and the music. <laughs> well, they're famous for their penny pasta. Aren't they? Uh, uh, yes. And the slow fried mixed oh, pepper with yes. um, That's a, a, just a, I can't remember how I came across it. I think I made it up. Um, just a, a pasta with, with um, slow fried peppers cooked with some uh, hot smoked paprika um, and a bit of chorizo. Um, and, and no doubt, your, your soon-to-be comedy partner, Ben Miller, probably is when he tasted your penne. When he, he tasted my penne, yeah. he was on board. Yeah, of course. So how soon, when did, you, when did Armstrong and Miller begin? Well, I it? came back from the, theater, from the Caribbean um, and was so thrilled because my parents allowed me to go and live up in London. I was expecting this was going to be a difficult conversation where basically I was going to have, you know, not having a job or anything like that. I was imagining I was going to have to live in Northumberland and... I wasn't really sure how I was going to, going to make ends meet. So it was all quite an interesting um, and slightly rudderless period of my life. And I came back, you know, having just... I graduated from Cambridge that summer, uh, just worked for four months out in the Caribbean and came back. Um, came back, came up to live up in London. Um, was allowed to sort of... I mean, various people would sort of give me a bed or a sofa. Um, I was that annoying person, Um but it was great. I had some cousins who 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 had a spare room on a on a barge down in Chiswick, so I I I, I, I sort of lodged. You there. were a wandering hobo. I was. I was a wandering. I was completely what it was. A minstrel. Um, but luckily, there were lots of other wandering hobos of sort of friends from Cambridge. So Ben Miller was one of them. Um, actually, I, Ben Miller, I didn't particularly know he was. But um, I have to say, I'm not proud of this. But I elbowed David Wollstonecroft, my erstwhile. The guy I went out to the Caribbean to mm-hmm. do comedy with there, literally, I, I'm afraid I, I, I started working with Ben and Ben and I had a, there was just a, a very particular, it just worked. There was something really lovely about our, we had a very similar sense of humour and pastiche, I think. Um, and I'm afraid I rather unceremoniously jumped ship from working with David to working with Ben. Um, which is, I think, is a, I mean, you know, it's it, it's not a it's not a nice thing to have done, but it it did it, it worked it worked very well. Anyway, Ben and I then went up to Edinburgh, having been a double act for about six months uh, in 1994, and realised that actually it was largely because it was just friends of ours in the audience in London. Um, we weren't actually that good, um, so we had a, we had a very indifferent reception up there in '94. Came back, didn't do 95, but went back in 1996 and got nominated for the Perrier. And that was suddenly when it all just suddenly came up roses. But before, after Edinburgh, Ben and I went off to Malaysia. We went off on a writing holiday 
to get stuff done. Because that a um, writing holiday in inverted commas or a... no, no, an actual genuine, genuine writing, writing holiday. We we genuinely did some work. We did also have a fabulous time, and that was where I discovered Nazi Lamac, which is my next food choice. Ah, oh, um, as opposed to a. a, a singer of exciting Malaysian songs. I mean, yeah, exactly. That sounds like... The one, yes. the only Nazi oh, Lamac. What am I thinking of? This, uh, yeah. Yes. Steve Lamac, I'm thinking of. But that's Return of Lamac. <laughs> the um, Big Mac. Yeah. The, no, no, um, the... Yeah, they have that for breakfast, Nazi Lamac. And that's what you ate in Malaysia while writing these? Yeah, yeah. It's a, is it? I mean, it's I know curry. what it is, but tell us. Our... It's a curry with... with I, mean, I can't remember what sort of curry it is, but it's got... You put these little dried ikambilis fish on and nuts and... Fairly coarse, chopped, fiery chili, and actually, first time I had it, I thought just a dare to myself, as I, you know, those hotels where they have breakfast sort of laid out mm-hmm. in a sort of buffet, and you wander around. I thought, well, I'll just just for fun, I'll see what this is like, and then took them. Thought, oh, yeah, ah, why would you have curry for breakfast? Next day, straight to the Nazi Lamac, and every day thereafter. Yeah, what a, yeah, what a way to start the day, you know, breakfast with. With zing, um, and do you eat it now or not? Have you, have you eaten it since? Uh, I've had it since actually. It's still delicious. I mean, there's a um, Zheng, the great Chinese restaurant in Oxford. Yes. Um, outside whose restaurant, huge, great laminated notices from Giles Corrin of the Times. Um, I haven't been for a while, so if it's yeah. still, I hope it's still it's good. It's still pretty good. Yeah, we we love we love Zheng. Um, and there's no, uh, there's, you haven't mentioned uh, you're not taking any pims with you. Around about the time that we oh, met you, were, you were Mr. Yes, Pins. You couldn't yes. walk down a street without people coming up. Hey! Three of you, Pins two of clock. us. Yes. Um, Pims um, came a-knocking at my door in 2002, maybe, I think. Um, yeah, that was... I'd been signed up to do the most enormous load of advertising for ITV Sport. Do you remember ITV Sport mm. used to exist? And they bought up the football rights. They bought up the, the, the television rights for so much football that you know, everyone thought it was going to kill them and it killed them um, you know and I'd meantime meanwhile I'd been making all these ads for them we'd made tons and it looked like it was going to be just you know it was going to be jammed today and jammed for several years I think um, on the on the ITV sport front and then ITV folded uh, and the nice agency who were making the uh, who made the adverts said uh, what do you want to do about this because we Theoretically, we owe you, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, we're quite a lot in your debt. Um, but obviously, that's, they've all gone. ITV Sport doesn't exist anymore. So um, what do you want to do about that? And I said, well, no, doesn't bother me. I had a lovely time. But um, if, if next time something fun comes along, Give me a give me a give me a shout and I'll uh, and I'll, I'll you know see if I'm appropriate for it. And, uh, the next thing that something lovely, the next thing that came along for them was pins, um, and so they they came straight to me, which was lovely. And that was the, the days when advertising campaigns were huge. And I mean, you probably made you as famous as anything else then. Absolutely, yeah. I think I was probably best known for as being the pins man. In fact, when Pointless first aired on television, ah, oh, you've come to Pointless, excellent. Um, You're moving the narrative along as we come to the, towards the close of the hour. When Pointless first aired on BBC, on BBC Two, in fact, at two thirty in the afternoon. And when was that? Um, in two thousand and nine, Adrian Gill reviewed it in in the culture section. Uh, said Pointless truly is a terrible program. It's basically, the man from the, the man from Pims. Um, desperately trying to think of things to say to the commonalty <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, truly terrible programme. Anyway, luckily, it's still, it's still going. Yes, I think we can safely say he was wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, at this stage of the game, I have to say, we, 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 on Desert Island Crisps, I know that when you did your research conversation with Ben and he said, what about some crisps? And you said, yeah, oh, crisps. Oh, Favourite crisps? So, well, yes. Well, you said either salt and I mean, salt and vinegar, if, if, we're, in the norm, if we're in the normal realm... Or if you, if you, if I'm allowed to be just r- ludicrously poncy, then uh, I go for the black truffle, which is, and you've even there, maybe there is only one brand of black truffle crisp, and it's the Torres. I believe it is. Um, the thing about Torres that I know is, you know, like most crisp packets, you can open very easily. You could drive a car over these, and they wouldn't <laughs> open. Ugh! I mean, 
Yeah, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> You've got some scissors. You're opening your bag with the scissors. That's a sort of you, non-you thing, is it? There's re- only I really mean, well brought up people. No, no, that'd be I've the most non-you thing in the Chris. world. I've never so seen a packet of crisps open with Have you ever seen no. that, Ben? Never seen a packet oh. of crisps opened with a... Does it smell I'm nice? hold that to the microphone in case I get a whiff of that. I'm sticking my nose into the, into the crisp bag and that lovely sort of... What is it? I mean, so yes, the, 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 the truffly smell. Famously... Bummy, isn't it? It's a bit bummy. I was going to say bummy. That was exactly what I was going to say. Bummy, you can say bummy. I mean, it's a bit bummy. I was discussing this with the the wine man, Matthew Jukes. We were talking about some wines. He said, Some wines are a bit bummy. And he said, But it's it's just a a taste that you, you know, that could so easily go into something really. That's a lot of the great foods are. Um, Mm. it's, it's, It's true of a lot of truffles. It's true of a lot of some, some cured meat and hands. Beer, a lot of English beer smells quite farty. And also the old uh, the, the, the renal smell. the renal kidneys. Had Everything a you know, we, our dogs. Like cheese, a lot of cheese is a, is, is bummy. Mm. And uh, your dogs. When, I, when our dogs fart, the smell is of caliber alcohol-free lager. Oh, I wouldn't want to. I mean, alcohol-free dog fart. No. no, I don't know about that. Know. But it's just these, you know, a lot of pleasures in life are closely linked, and there are a lot of things, whether they're. That they're, they're sexual or fecal or nutritional, and they all sort of come together in a great. My, some things are mm. fresh, some things mm. are less fresh. Mm. Um, Earthy. But so pointlessness has sort of made you, made you, made you a star, made you, made you wealthy beyond the dreams of, of of men. And then, but then now you, despite being on all the time, I know you when you record pointless, what three months of the year or something. You, you, or how many? Is it more than? Well, that? we now do them in sort of massive tranches. So we'll do each commission is about. I think the next lot we're going to do is two hundred and thirty odd shows which gets spread very nicely across so we'll do we it's, I mean, it's incredibly intensive but hard work boring never boring um tiring how many in a day four but all right i mean it's the the rounds are always good the contestants are usually very well chosen so you, um and the chemistry between the contestants and richard is always lovely i mean he's just always always good fun to do it with you know we make each other laugh and that actually is about as much fun as a job should really by rights be. But did you've taken another one? You I've taken be- another one because I wasn't doing anything in the mornings. <laughs> but you weren't so, doing anything in the mornings and you were in Oxford in the mornings. That's true. We, yes, we live in Oxford, which is not ideal for, for the London-based class. It'd be really event. convenient if you were a lecturer in anthropology oh, or something, wouldn't it? Well, listen, my evenings are still free. <laughs> um, so you get up in the morning, you love classical music, you've sort of come back, so you've had in the meantime had a couple of classical albums that have done incredibly well, top of the charts and all that. Yeah. You've come back to what, to your first love or, just, I mean... I have come back to my first love and I genuinely have. I have two first loves. I love wanging on about stuff and I love playing music to people and, you know, that's, that's now what I get to do. So sort of go, oh, ooh, listen to this. No, everyone, shh, shh. Yeah, but, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Listen to this. Oh, and listen to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you've got this classic. I mean, I want to. I mean, obviously, listeners to Times Radio will set their alarms to, to get up and listen to to Stig and Asthma. But I mean, uh, and I don't then, want to be taking anyone away from Matt Chorley. But uh, but <laughs> but you know, if if they fancied some music, just a musical interlude, there I am. If they could nine, during, nine during the news, they could turn off Matt yes. Chorley for four minutes and go. Yes. Us. Or they could they could come to listen again to listen to you because Times Radio you need to listen to to be really first with all the news and opinions here on. I don't know if that's one of our slogans. I, but then, the way, the, then they could come back to your morning show after. I am a convert to the to the morning show to the you know the the stick and asthma. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. What do you like about it? Well, I genu- I genuinely like it. Sort of, it, <laughs> I genuinely like the fact it's not designed to make you furious. In a way, there's another famous morning current affairs program i've never never heard it i've never ripped off any of their formats i've never i'm no, not aware of this no. version of which you speak but no. I'm, I'm so glad you're a fan of, of times radio yeah no i am I, I like it a lot i've heard Mariella's show i've heard a bit of matt's show um i haven't heard hugo's show on saturday so i quite like to hear that no you can listen to it tomorrow no, unless you're lecturing in anthropology or advertising something or recording pointless or presenting classic fm which but you're not on a saturday not on a saturday no well i do a saturday afternoon show so one till three that's the one where my children go, it's Uncle Xander, it's Uncle Xander, when we have it on. If they're not listening to watching Hey Dougie with Uncle Xander on, or Danger Mouse with yeah. Uncle Xander. Your final, your final food thing for the desert island, is it the most important? I think it probably is. Yeah, I think it is. Wine. 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 I mean, why would you not? 
I mean, why would you? Know? It's got to be. It's got to be lovely wine, and that's. I don't. That's asking a lot of the desert. I don't know what the. I have cellar scenario I, I pulled is. a bottle of um, two thousand and four Langer Barton, which is mm. which is decent. Yeah, it's yeah, decent lovely. stuff. It's not. It's not sort of. Uh, you know, first growth. Oh, but the Lango is amazing. I think that's absolutely delicious. I um, thought it would go quite well with the pie or the truffle chips. But yes. as you're on your way from one other job, stopping off to do this and heading off to do more jobs and not sleeping again for another month, I didn't think we decided... Do you know what? Well, we decided it. we might save it up. We'll have it when we haven't got work to do, I guess. But the thing is, you can't just have a glass of that. No. I mean, you know. Where's the, where's the pleasure in that? And it's mostly claret for you, is that when you say no, wine? No, no, burgundy I love. White burgundy I particularly love. Um, red burgundy I'm learning about. I get very excited about some red burgundies. My brother is a big burgundy fan. And you've got a, have you got a bit of a cellar at the moment? A bit of one. It's all, it's, none of it's at home, that's the trouble, because it's all in, a, there's nowhere to keep it at home. So it lives in a cellar down just outside Bristol. And, uh, and you go and visit it from time to time? No, I, no, they just tell me when things are ready for drinking and I forget about them. And then I'm suddenly in a panic, order lots to get them, things delivered that usually long after they've sort of passed their best. But you can't, but can, and can you, are you still drinking with a will in the evenings when you've got to get up so early? To no, eat? not really, no. That, that'll last you out then, what you've got already? I guess it probably will. I guess, you know, holidays. Holidays then, that'd be nice. Well, thank you, thank you very much indeed. It's for a huge pleasure. Telling us thank about you. your Desert Island crisps. Lovely, thank you. You've been listening to a special edition of Giles Corran Has No Idea with my special guest, Alexander Armstrong, with his Desert Island Crisps. This is a Wireless Studios production produced by Ben Mitchell. And don't forget, you can listen to the podcast on the Times Radio app and you can also subscribe to us wherever else you get your podcast. Esther and I will be back next week and you can tune in for the live experience on my Times Radio show every Friday from 1 till 4. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.